0: Of course, I hit the record button and she immediately starts tearing around the bedroom like it's something to do. Hello, everybody. There's always a compromise between, uh, mic distance. Let's see, when I put the mic here, then I can say, hey, how you doing? Um, let's talk about your day. Take a load off. Can I get you a drink? Or something. Uh, You know, if that was creepy to you, then use your own, uh... Description uh, or 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 dialogue for. I I do much wonder that one man, seeing how much another man is a fool when he dedicates his behaviors to love, will as opposed to back here. But as far as this whole podcasting gig goes, I have not quite gotten down how much of this to sound edit. You know. And I'm a bit of a mouth breather, I'm not ashamed to admit it. Uh, most moose-sized and larger men are. And, um, you know, there's a, where there are certain things in the, uh, the, uh, episode guides and the videos that I would edit out. Mouth sounds and, you know, breaths and all of that. I was talking to my friend Lonnie who, uh, of course, is um, the maestro behind chipperish media. And she tells me she leaves all of that stuff. She thinks it sounds more organic if, uh, you know. I mean, that's another thing I maybe tend to do that that maybe she doesn't, though. I start a sentence that I don't know the end of, and then I take a deep breath in the middle of it. (laughs) As I gather my thoughts... You know, you're supposed to load the train of thought before it leaves the station, and I don't always do that. Kind of like this podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast and the nerd. I'm Ian. How have you been? Uh, It's been two weeks, and uh, did you change your hair? It looks good. I'm sorry that I skipped last week. I told you that um, I was going to try and avoid doing that unless... Uh, it sort of was dictated by the um, videos on the channel, and I kind of ran into a situation where I felt like it was dictated by the videos on the channel. And um, it's funny, I, I, I guess that this has become something that I enjoy doing sitting down here talking to you, having a conversation. This is sort of therapeutic, really. I don't know how it is for you. I hope it's enjoyable. But, uh, um, I was really struggling with uh, the video last week, and I'll get into that. And, of course, it's all relative. Uh, when I, I, that's another thing I was going to get into. But, uh, uh, the way I go top shelf with, uh, every description of myself and my personal life, which is not always necessary. But anyway, um... I'm not sure yet how to handle those uh, situations where I decide to delay the podcast or to skip the podcast in favor of working on the next video. I posted a note on the YouTube community page, uh, the podcast YouTube community page, and I uh, mentioned it on Twitter, but if you don't follow me on either of those, then, uh, you know, Maybe you were like, where the hell was the podcast last week? Or you're listening to this now and you're like, oh yeah, Ian has a podcast. wonder what else is on. I would not hold any of those against you. So uh, I'm thinking for um, future instances where this will come up, which, you know, I am me. And uh, I think there's there's value and ownership of that fact. And so I know that from time to time, I will um, prioritize getting a video out over other things. So I think what I'll do in the future is just publish a 30-second episode of the podcast, letting you know that uh, I'm skipping it for this week. But um, I'll get into the rest of that in a minute. Today on the podcast might run a little bit long. As always, I put um, the... Time codes in the show notes if you want to skip over different sections and um, go to particular things like the fanfic reading, which is always at the end. Today, I want to talk about my favorite superhero, why I skipped uh, last week's podcast, talk to you a little bit about the new video I published, No Place to Like Home, and um, a couple of movies I saw I wanted to tell you about. And then, uh, news and notes for the upcoming week before I'll be ending with a new chapter. From our fanfic reading, and I forgot to put the title in the show notes, uh, I'm not very good at vamping either, Here is Gone, uh, the continuing tale of a reinstalled Spike who has gone back in time to try and change some things and put things right, which I've greatly been enjoying. Actually, it's one of the things I find most annoying about skipping the podcast is I I kind of want to... Uh, Hear what's next with that but I Don't want to cheat and Like I said the last time if you know Freddy Krueger is gonna show up in chapter 20 I want to be as surprised as you are So I'm not gonna read ahead and find out if that's the case. We are in this blind and together uh, Until the end well eh, if Freddy shows up before chapter 10 I might switch gears, but Uh, no report on goals this week. I'm going to do a one-month update on uh, New Year's resolutions and stuff for the 1st February podcast. As you might expect, some things are going well, some things need improvement. Shocking, I know. Um, so, uh, as I was, uh, procrastinating, sitting down and starting to record this, uh, I was chatting. I had, we, um... Audrey, Jessica, Jack, and myself have a Facebook group going where we uh, have conversations. And I randomly popped in and said, I think I understand why I like Batman. It came up on Twitter recently why Batman is, uh, uh, why growing up Batman was my favorite superhero. So just sort of like the evolution of my tastes. The first superhero... I got into was Sherlock Holmes, who is definitely a superhero and then I got a little bit older and I think I got into Batman at that time and then uh, in my teens I got a little more into in in my teens when I discovered women, I got a little more into James Bond for reasons. But anyway, I was thinking about is James Bond's or excuse me, is uh is Batman is Bruce Wayne the neurotics superhero? Right? He's uh he's he's driven by his fears, he's afraid of bats, he's uh uh driven by trauma. I mean, also uh, like, uh, to some degree a lot of superheroes have a traumatic event in their lives that that pushes them to do one thing or another. You know, Uncle Ben and so forth, but um you know uh, the death of bruce's parents seems to return to him as trauma and not uh where where um peter sort of seemed to get motivation from it um bruce seems tortured by his past and i i, I mean obviously as a young boy the being a Billionaire who can buy whatever he wants to has a certain appeal to it, of course But I also love the fact that Bruce 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 is vulnerable. Bruce can die. Bruce can uh, be injured and um, uh, uh, Bruce chooses to do what he does anyway and the, the I, I, you know, one of the appeals of the the Batman's rogues gallery is that uh, I mean one of the appeals of Batman is his rogues gallery is one of the best rogues galleries of um in all of comic books, I think the X Men's is pretty good, but that do they really count as a as a superhero? I mean, it's a team. Um, but I, you know, one of the things that makes the Joker appealing is is that, and and I think that the the reason we all really enjoy the Dark Knight is because the 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 distance between the Joker and Batman was very close. I mean, it's been talked to death too at this point uh, by virtue of um, Heath Ledger's passing. But, you know, uh, the idea about those two, and I think it's one of the things that makes Batman himself so interesting and and why, for me, the Joker movie didn't work, which is a whole different conversation, and I don't even want to open that can of worms, um, is that that Batman is interesting in proximity to the Joker and vice versa, and um, you just kind of get the idea that, and I think that, the Joker has said this on numerous occasions that on a different day, um, he may have uh, Bruce may have ended up like, like him. Uh, but I was just thinking about how how you know, Batman sort of uh, went through martial arts training to kind of ma- try and master his own anxiety. It's uh, um, and I've you know I'm not saying I'm Batman. I'm just tr- kind of trying to suss out why I've always found that character appealing more so than many other superheroes and um uh you know it's kind of like it seems like his pathology um other than my parents weren't murdered in an alley but um you know the machinery of his pathology feels um relatable where if you're uh you know, a teenager with the, your own inner world who is sort of running face to butt with actual life and paying bills and rent and all of this, um, maybe Peter Parker holds more of an appeal. Um, you know, and then there's always, uh, there's, 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 to any superhero, there's probably the, the, uh, idea of the identity that we show the world versus uh, who we feel are our uh, real selves. Um. And Bruce is interesting in that way, too, because I suppose he's not unique in that, that, you know, Batman feels more like his actual identity. Anyway, uh, it was a very good bout of procrastination, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Thank you, Audrey. And uh, I told Audrey that I would open the podcast by sharing that little conversation. Um, okay, so I skipped last week's podcast. I had been dragging my heels on No Place Like Home. I'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, and I was ready to kick it into high gear, and then I got food poisoning on Monday, which was sweet. I say I love Indian food, but because I'm the type of person who finds... This is the way I am. Um, my friend Ryan and I, uh, realized in our 20s that this kind of roughly related to the way we dated, uh, you know, as 40-year-old men, it's very different now. But in our 20s, I realized that that, that we were both uh, relating to relationships and dating the way we related to food. Ryan is the type, or was the type, he's still the type this way with food, to go to a uh, restaurant, spend an, an just annoying amount of time looking at the menu and debating which item he's going to get and changing his mind several times and then ordering a thing and then wondering if that other thing that he should have gotten would have been better. Where I'm the type of person who goes to a restaurant, finds the one thing that he likes, and then never orders anything differently ever again. And the way we reflected it to each other was I'm like, if I have something else and it's terrible, then I, but I know I like this thing, so why not just order the thing that is always going to make me happy and satisfied? And Ryan says that his way of relating to it was. Uh, but what if that other thing is better? And yes, both ways are unhealthy ways of looking of 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 being in relationships. By the way, neither of us was right. As much as that argument went, uh, we were both idiots. So, neither of those is a healthy way to look at a relationship. I'm not making that argument. But anyway, um... I like to say I like Indian food, but really I probably just like, uh, chicken tikka masala and veggie samosa. And I believe, uh, chicken tikka masala was invented in England anyway. So it's not, uh... I don't know if it's authentic Indian food. You know. Uh... But anyway... I ate on Monday. Felt like I just... I'm going to... Don't worry. I'm going to spare you the gory details of this story. I promise. Um, I thought I'd overeaten. Then I started feeling exhausted and terrible. Uh, I'm a furnace of a human being. I run hot constantly all the time. I think most giants do. Uh, But I walked out to our garage to throw something away and just started shivering violently. I haven't had the sick shivers in quite a long time um i got all like stiff and sore and yeah it was bad uh thought i was coming down with something i live in a house with nine other people three of them under five uh and this house has been constantly sick for like it feels like six months i'm sure i'm exaggerating because i'm terrible with time passing illness back and forth uh, one person gets well someone else gets sick um And then just when everyone starts to get over it, the preschooler goes to school with 30 other disease carriers, gets something new, brings it home, and starts the cycle all over again. Somehow I've dodged it for six months, but I was pretty sure I was getting sick. Anyway, the next morning I woke up, I had a migraine and nothing else, so I must have gotten food poisoning. The samosa betrayed me? Never again, you guys. I'm done with chicken... Actually, that sounds pretty good. Um, ended up sleeping about 30 or 40 hours uh, over the next couple of days, and along with the podcast, I skipped the Saturday adventure of the nerd. I was still recovering. I had published the video and ended up sleeping like 20 hours or so um, Friday and Saturday. Since then, I still haven't quite righted this ship. Um... My sleep schedule is all off if I'm babbling more so than usual. Uh, it's probably because I got like two and a half, three hours sleep last night. Uh, I was out running on Friday. I got two runs in this week despite the the sickness, but I was just weak. And, uh, you know, it, I'm one of those weird people that likes running. I just forgot that I did for a few years and then that time put on like 65, 70 pounds And so I'm trying to take it really easy and not be gentle on my knees and my ankles and and not overdo it. But I was out running, uh, and I just felt tired and exhausted. And the endorphin-fueled euphoria that usually happens uh, if you're someone who likes running just wasn't kicking in. Um, And I I, realize I've just been feeling off this week, not just because of the illness, but I don't know exactly what it is. And I'm not sure, I'm not always sure that... Uh, you know I'm very heady I'm very uh, I'm very all up in the attic most of the time anyway and so a lot of times what I try and do is just pick your spots you know I'm very analytical and sometimes it's just like it's more effort to peel the thing apart and 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 figure out the components than it is to just okay you're feeling crappy just give it time you know uh, watch some. Jessica Jones or uh, uh, C or whatever it is you're watching right now and just Let yourself be um, There's no need to fix that's that's probably the thing It's like I talked about in one of the videos about loneliness and how loneliness feels like an infection Like something that you need to cure and it needs to be something right now but if you can just kind of get to the point where loneliness is like hunger and hunger is natural and sometimes from time to time we get hungry and uh, there's nothing to fix, and it's okay. Then you can really free yourself from that that sort of panic. And I, I, I maybe wasn't, you know, maybe that can be carried to just feeling dumpy, which was um, kind of what I was. And I, um, I while I was out running, I was asking myself, what the hell's wrong with me? Am I depressed? And I realized, to some degree, I'm always going top shelf with my moods either ecstatic, or terrified, or whatever, and I just thought, I'm not depressed. I, I, I'm I'm feeling sad. Dialing the speedometer back uh, a few paces like that made it easier for, for me to acknowledge, because, no, I wasn't feeling depressed, but then I was like, well, what the hell? Like, you know, having to figure out, like, it can just be this sort of fractional, like, yeah, I'm I'm blue. And I don't know why. And I don't know that I need to figure it out. But it's okay. Like that's okay. There's there's many reasons why it might be that way and just, you know, get back to work or call someone or go and have a conversation or snuggle up with the cat and get under a big comfy blankie and let yourself be. Not everything needs to be fixed or cured. Um, and that was nice, uh, it, you know, rooting out the My own pretentiousness, even when it comes to the way I talk about my inner life. Uh, it's kind of nice, you know? Um, just let yourself be. Anyway, um, I wanted to talk a little about the Buffy episode guide I just published. No Place Like Home. Uh, kind of an unexpected bear with that one. The results of me figuring out why are in the video itself, which is kind of how these things work um but the final video still feels like a bit of a mess to me and um uh with some missed opportunities i'm tr- I, you know it, it 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 became one of those done is better than perfect situations where i just had to you know i i had been dragging my heels and dragging my heels and not confronting the, i talked about procrastination on the last podcast and then promptly realized that i was procrastinating on the video for the old thing of, uh, I was afraid I didn't have anything interesting to say about it, and that it wasn't going to be a good, as good as the Angel videos, because we're here in a very interesting uh, season of Angel. And yes, the season of Buffy is incredible, but man, these early videos and so on and so forth. So that was sort of like the source of the procrastination, which was funny Why, uh, how I uh, landed on it through this podcast and this conversation. I appreciate that, our conversation is bearing fruit um, in that way. But, um, anyway, the video seems like it's going over with uh, well with people. The analytics are way up. There, I think it was 20,000 views in two days. Um, and, for instance, I mean, Angel never does the traffic that uh, Buffy does, but Angel, untouched, is sitting at 14,000, something like that. Um, uh, I'll switch over to the it looks like if you're watching uh, on the visual version of this it looks like Buffy is staring at the back of my head. Um, but other than a couple of bits here and there in the video that I think worked okay there are bits of that the one that kind of make me uh, want to tear my hair out. So <clears throat> Um, my favorite things to talk about in the videos are the themes, self-evidently, the and 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 where they come from, whether it's a philosophical basis or psych, psycho, psychological or or um, what have you. The <coughs> my my primary interest in the channel is the intersection between where sort of pop media intersects with um, our real life. And it just so happens that the themes in Buffy and the themes in Angel and the themes in Firefly are, are the richest fodder for that conversation. They're not the only ones, but they are the richest fodder for that conversation. And then far down the list of sort of personal preference uh, when it comes to um, what I like to write about, is uh but something i know people enjoy is character arc tracking. You know, um tracking the evolution of a relationship or or um documenting the various instances of dark willow that occur over the course of the series and sort of pointing out those patterns. It's, it's sort of pattern recognition aspect of what what is done on the channel. And sometimes that's interesting. Sometimes that that um Leads to 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 things that I enjoy, or 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 sort of like, end up being a bit of an artistic expression. The in the restless videos, Xander being back in the basement, and and understand. I mean, there's a lot of psychology there too, but sort of underst- tracking his past and then the present uh, reflected with his father, and then how that leads to Hell's bells worked really well, and, and Restless is very musical. It's a rare video where I have music playing through most of the video, and every dream has its own piece of music, and that stitches together into, artistically, into something that felt, um, you know, with the visual repetitions in Restless of him ending up back in the basement, and then using that as the final line of that Xander essay with, uh, his decisions, you know, as much as I can understand them lead to him being back in the basement was kind of made for kind of a, uh, a pretty poetic repetition. The other examples of that are uh, like, like we were talking about dark willow tracking or, or something like that. I, I think that it's of use and I know people, um, enjoy the arc tracking, but it's, um, it feels like the the it, it involves me the least, if that makes any sense. Um, it's more a matter of just pointing to a thing and saying, you know, let's let's all let's uh, let's have a look. Um, and there's more of that too, like sort of detail tracking, paying attention. Anyway, no place like home because of the way the arc is working. Is uh, felt like mostly. Um, that last one, to me, sort of, hey, make sure you pay attention to their dynamic and the way this is working and and the arc tracking and so forth. And um, very little of getting to unpack the twin themes, uh, uh, the way Dawn and Buffy relate to each other, uh, the, you're so grown up, uh, that Joyce keeps repeating to her, um, you know, the... The fun stuff, for me, though I mean, that will all be in the gift guide and, um, I have no idea how I'm going to write the body, um, which people think I keep referencing. I actually wasn't referencing that. Anyway, I ended up procrastinating hard, though I heard, though I suppose not nearly as hard as uh, September, October, and November, which was what created this podcast. Um... And then I, I, I finally just sitting down, like, why is this bothering me? And then thinking about, well, it's sort of like these episodes are so calm. Like, the, the, it's this Giles opening a shop and Joyle's, uh, Joyle's, Joyce having a headache. And, um, you know, them driving in the car and uh, uh, Tara and Willow's conversation with Willow's arms wrapped around her. And I, I realized that that's the thesis that is the, um, that, that ebb and flow has a place in the, uh, metaphor of the show in the, the, the thing that was grading me, the thing that I was frustrated with because, um, I didn't get to play with the material in the way that I'm used to, or the way that the angel episodes, this season are, uh, allowing me to do with things like, are you now, or have you ever, Became the thesis of the video, which was that that those are a part of life as well those big gaps between uh, Uprisings are You know uh, They're a thing and 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 once I kind of sorted that out for myself uh, It became kind of beautiful that the show has that um I whether it was intended or not or a byproduct of of um them just being more successful at being an arc series uh it's there and you know given the events of this season the 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 major personal uprisings it starts with into the woods and then the body and then um on into the gift. This calm, peaceful stretch is what we live for, right? You know, uh, I'm not a cynic. I, 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 uh, I work very hard to root out my own cynicism and pessimism wherever it lies. But there is a perspective on life that says that that you know, we're here for a limited time, and their life is filled up with tragedy uh, of, of letting go and, and saying goodbye, you know? And, and we, we are allowed these reprieves of time in between, whether it's a relationship ending or, the you know, Harley dying, my cat dying last year, uh, a friend of mine for 15 years, um, you know, uh, I wouldn't compare that to anything else, but it, it was what it was. I mean, that's the thing is tragedy and, and suffering shouldn't be compared. Suffering is a gas that fills us up, uh, whether it's a little bit or a lot, uh, to whatever our capacity is for it. And that's why, uh, comparing suffering, uh, or trying to, to get yourself past yours by saying, well, other people are suffering worse is a terrible idea. Um, because it's, it's so relative and personal. Now, I, 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 I think the trick to, there's a trick to accepting that and not becoming cynical. I, I think that, 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 and I, and talking about this with you, it makes me realize that maybe this is a part of the essay and maybe this is a part of the gift and, uh, her, uh, realization on the tower How Why she feels joy Um In the face of all of these things Is like I I, I believe that there is a perspective by which Um These f- Things don't feel done to us Or unfair Uh But just uh, and, and, and because of that Not something to be afraid of Um but anyway, the, show, the show's not at that point yet, and and, and something not to be apprehensive of. While we are in those moments of, of peace, but uh, um, we're not there yet. And uh, but the hitting on that realization, sort of understanding that that was how the material was landing for me, and I was sort of resi- not, I was resisting it, and then sort of accepting it and thinking about, well, how does this fit into? the metaphor and the arc and how does this relate to our lives and all of that, it landed. And, um, I wrote the introduction to the, the, the post summary section. And then I wrote the conclusion with the ticking clock, which are the most effective parts of that video. The rest are sort of, you know, there's a joke here and there that are, those are okay. And, and there's some arc tracking. And I think the, the conversation about Anya uh, is interesting. <clears throat> there were a number of comments, by the way, in the uh, uh, in the comments section. There were a number of, of, of people who replied saying that that they um, had the syndrome and then said that Anya is a good example and they related to her or said that Anya is not a good example and said that they didn't. I I, I didn't, uh, and I was also told that um, rather kindly that I was mispronouncing the syndrome, so I'm not even going to try and say it here, and um, that we don't even use that term anymore. So that shows you how ill-informed I was about that particular thing, but I thought it was interesting and um, uh, worth bringing up. But the conclusion, I think, is where um, uh, the video works. By the way, uh, uh, it seemed like most people in the comments assumed that the ticking clock was referring to Joyce. And I think there's kind of a missed opportunity for me in the video, um, by not opening with the only clock that actually, uh, insofar as I'm aware, has related to a character directly. You know, which is miles to go, counting down from 730. And, uh, I believe in the Restless video I show the the, the ticking days uh, going by when I talk about in the spoiler version of the Restless video when I, t- I talk about what that was um, the uh, but if I had maybe if I had open anyway I'm not gonna say the video's done. done um, I'm not gonna second guess, guess the whole thing but um, then I got the script done and the mic I had been using for barely a year burned out had to go replace that And uh, then I kind of made a mistake in the workflow. This is getting long and I didn't mean to get into this this much. Um, Part of the reason the world's most boringest live streams exist is because they're very functional for me. Um, Videos where there was some doubt or trepidation or um, resistance or, uh, you know, that was connective tissue between the parts of the seasons that I was actually really interested in talking about. By firing up the live stream and, uh, inviting the bosses in, for lack of a better term, it kept my butt in the seat, you know, cranking through the edit and, and getting that thing done and, and posted. But I, I think I've, I've gotten a little, um, fatigued being on camera as often as I am between this podcast and the Patreon streams and the edit streams and then doing, now I've been doing Twitch as a hobby, I never intended uh, for me to be so heavily featured, Um, and I realized that that, uh, people can choose to come to those things or not. I'm not forcing my presence on anyone who isn't choosing to, to sit here. But um, I chose not to do an edit stream for No Place Like Home, and I think uh, paid the price. That was an edit I probably could have kicked out in a really solid day of editing, um, and instead it took three. So, lesson learned. Um, I will not be skipping edit streams again. Saw a couple of movies I was interested in. Saw a couple of interesting movies I thought I might... Uh, Talk to you about first one was 1917. I Am trying to see all of the Golden Globe and Oscar nominees. Yes, I know that they are not um, value, they're not definitive measures of quality of course, but You know, it's something Um, uh, one of the ways that I first read things like Altered Carbon and all of that was you know, I uh, I don't like picking stuff I don't. So uh, all I did was I I um, <clears throat> looked up the Philip K. Dick Award, which is the um, award given in science fiction to a um, book that didn't have a hardcover printing because Philip K. Dick never had uh, a hardcover printing in his lifetime, and I just started reading those and read some great things um, through that process, and that's kind of how I do. Um, uh, those kind of things. You know, it's boundary pushing. Um, it's kind of why I sometimes I throw what's the next thing I'm going to watch out to you guys instead of, because, uh, you know, I don't care. Try something new. It's okay. Just uh, whatever. So, uh, 1917, not going to run through the plot. There's a, um, trailer in the description. It's, uh, a World War One film shot by Roger Deakins. Uh, greatest living cinematographer and directed by Sam Mendez. Eh, mixed feelings about. The whole movie is a wonder. Kind of. It's one continuous shot. There's not much in the advertising about it, but, uh, word of mouth is sort of spreading that, um, you know, that's the thing. It's, uh, it's a beautifully shot, beautifully performed, beautifully staged, uh, war film about these two men, um, running to the front lines to deliver orders and because of the oneer it's it takes place in more or less real time and i really thought i was going to love it uh which is uh, never a good thing uh, expectations are the ruination of many experiences and um for the first 10 15 minutes i was really in <clears throat> but uh so, the, by the way, the way they did it, they didn't actually... I mean, I'm sure you've heard about this. The way they did it was they didn't actually shoot the movie in one continuous take. I believe um, I saw an interview with Roger Deakins saying it was shot in three-minute increments and then stitched together with mostly invisible cuts, which means that the movie is filled with dozens of cuts, which I only caught about ten of, maybe, throughout, which I think is pretty good. But, uh, we've talked about this on the channel, which is the only reason why I thought I would, um, why I thought I'd talk to you about it now. Uh, the idea of wonners Whedon talks about, um, and I kept thinking of Whedon's because, of course, uh, my entire professional life centers around, uh, his work right now. And, um, the one that always stands out to me, there's a lot of good wonners um, you know, Goodfellas and all of that. There's a there's a lot of great wonners the there's one at the beginning of Spectre that there which is I think is an example of a bad oner an example of a great oner is um, the one from Anne so um, Buffy runs away from home in Becoming Part 2 and uh, post opening credits in Anne We get a long, continuous tracking shot, which is just terrifically, um, blocked and executed. I believe it starts in the library with, uh, Giles and Willow talking, and then, uh, follows Willow and Oz out into the hallway, and then, uh, Cordelia to, uh, Xander, and then, um, you know, if we can have uh, get our practices down and not have quite as many deaths, Sunnydale is gonna rule. And then there's a hard cut to Buffy, and that uh, that oneer is so well done that it, to me it kind of informed the way a oneer, what a oneer is for, and what makes a good oneer. The reason that oneer is so um, awesome and effective is because it it matters to what the episode is talking about, which is Buffy's inner life. So the hustle and bustle of the school and and the, the S- Sunnydale High School being alive and vibrant and this kind of um, uh, thing that is alive with possibility, uh, which is a huge thing, is possibility and anticipation and how is the year going to go and our relationships and all of this. And then cutting to Buffy sitting alone in her apartment in L.A. trying to open a can of soup. And it's so stark. And artistically, it, 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 the deafening silence of her life in comparison to Sunnydale says volumes about her what she's going through. You know, there is no possibility without Angel and, and what she did. And now that she's there and she's lost, she's well and truly lost. And the oneer informs that in a way that a whole series of cuts might not have. It wouldn't have had the same kind of energy and uh, kineticism and um, life. And uh, that's a terrific oneer. Then there are oners, like the one at the beginning of Spectre, which is the last James Bond movie, directed by Sam Mendes, who directed 1917, that has no purpose. It's awesome because it's just cool as a technical achievement that a camera can start way down on the street and then track up through uh, an apartment, out onto, you know, uh, the building above, and you can have this continuous scene, and whatever the motivation... Maybe there was some motivation for why he chose to do that entire opening scene as a wonder other than it was cool but it, to me it's not readily apparent whether either um for what bond is experiencing or what the day of the dead festival means in in relationship to um the plot of that movie or any of that you know um and so to me that's those are uh, that's 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 kind of a spectrum of uh the wonner. And here's a movie that is entirely designed to be a wonner. And um, it's very hard to 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 make that feel feel motivated and purposeful uh, throughout the whole thing. I've heard some people say that it made, it it makes you feel like you're the third member of this band uh trekking to the front lines maybe uh, there there the initially the use of it gives you a wonderful sense of the scope and claustrophobia of World War 1 trenches the vastness of the war campaign but at some point as the these two men got on with their journey and i was just looking to get sucked in i just started wishing there were cuts um, I Don't need to be like in a good story. You are a part of the story. Anyway, you don't need to be the third member walking behind them because You because we have empathy because we be we because we relate intensely to a, a particular character I you know, uh, I relate to Luke Skywalker and his dreams of adventure and uh, the loss of Ben and all of that I don't need his journey to be shown to me in one continuous cut. So I don't know that that, uh, stands as a good motivation for, um, the use of it. Uh, you do get a sense of scope and, and, and claustrophobia and all of that, but eventually they're not in the trench the entire time. And I just, uh, started wishing there were cuts because, especially when you notice the hidden, uh, cuts that are there, because it, i i just started being constantly reminded that you're th- watching a wonder in amidst this beautifully acted beautifully shot i mean it's it's roger deakins um uh the score was wonderful the performance it, like the performances of the two leads are great it reminded me it, it, here's what it, it it reminded me of uh, 3d movies You know, um, I never saw a 3D movie in a theater that enveloped me in the same way that seeing the 2D version of it did, because I was always aware that I'm watching a 3D movie and um, the technology never quite gets out of the way. So it's a quest film, uh, that takes place in real time over the course of the length of the movie. And in order to make that happen, A certain number of convenient things occur in two hours so that the movie can be one continuous shot. Um, They're convenient because they occur in two hours where if you have a movie with cuts it expands time. So for example uh, in the movie in the first act they happen to find milk which is this um, insane commodity uh in a time where you know in uh, trench warfare where where nothing like that was really available and then the milk comes into play in the third act so the convenience of that because that's anyway you get uh, what I'm I'm trying to say it was a good movie um but I, I i thought there was a chance it would um end up being my favorite from 2019 and that's what i'm saying expectations are the Ruination of Anything but Divine Experiences, which don't come along very often. Just because of this, I was thinking of top five 2019 movies. Of what I've seen, I'm still trying to see um, everything for, uh, you know, all of the the nominated films. But uh, Knives Out would be number one. Ford vs. Ferrari, number two. Uh, Avengers Endgame. Lots of problems, but such a cool uh, magic trick and payoff, number three. Doctor Sleep, number four, and 1917, number five. The bottom five list from this year would be much easier to come up with than uh, the top five. Weird year. Speaking of Doctor Sleep, that's the other one I watched um, this week that I was kind of astonished by. It was Stephen King's follow-up to The Stand, which is also the all-time classic horror movie directed by Stanley Kubrick, one of the greatest genre films of all time. Um, so make a sequel to that, which is an insane task, uh, for any piece of fiction and just probably shouldn't be undertaken based on history most of the time, but, uh, it kind of reminded me of Blade Runner 2049, another movie, um, the making of it would be insane on the surface, um, and I absolutely loved that movie a couple of years ago. That movie was also shot by Roger Deakins and was directed probably by my current favorite working director, Denis Villeneuve. I apologize for the terrible pronunciation. I'm assuming it's uh, garbage. Um, I just watched his movie Arrival last week, and holy hell, does that need to be a movie review on the channel. Anyway, um, I was not familiar with any of the people behind Dr. Sleep, other than you and McGregor, of course. And, um, so I waited for it to release on digital, watched it two nights ago, and I've been thinking about it since. Uh, it's... to me, it's successful. Uh, a successful follow-up to a gargantuan predecessor, um, just as much as, uh, Blade Runner 2049 was. If for completely different reasons. I I wouldn't qualify myself as a horror fan, which is weird that I, I do this, uh... All the time. I'm pointing in a podcast to uh, my own title card. Uh, Buffy being a horror show and all of that. But um, I do enjoy horror when it tends to be a mashup of other genres or ones that transcend the genre. Mashups of other genres would be things like Alien uh, or It. And, um, you know, ones that transcend the genre are things like The Shining. Uh, The Shining is... I heard The Shining described as a B-movie, a B-movie haunted house premise made by one of the greatest artistic directors in history with lead performance by Jack Freakin' Nicholson. Uh, I love stuff like that. The, uh, and Dr. Sleep is not that at all. Instead uh, Dr. Sleep backs away from the haunted house premise of the original and develops the lore of the universe from the original book. So if you're mostly familiar with the movie, it's almost easy enough to forget that it's named after something that has seemingly little to do with the story, Danny's magical powers. Danny can do magic things with his mind parts. Um, but Jack Nicholson's performance is so dominating uh, that everything other than that kind of gets a little uh, fuzzy, I sort of feel like, with that movie. But uh, And I did not read The Shining book, by the way. I, I haven't read Dr. Sleep or... Um, uh, the shining. I've read Misery, the Stand, and uh, all of Stephen King's short stories. that's that's about uh, the limit of my exposure to King. Um, anyway, Dr. Sleep, uh, Danny is now an adult, dealing with his own uh, alcoholism and um, one grappling with what aspects of himself he may have in- inherited from his father. And trying to ignore his magical abilities while staying on the go. And in this world there are other characters with magical abilities similar similar to or more powerful than his. And one of them, uh, a young girl reaches out to him for help. That's all I really want to say about it because I think it's worth watching. Um, There are scares, but I can't remember a single one of them that was a jump scare. Uh, It was all the good kind, dread, uh, tension and terror. And the movie doesn't shy away from revisiting Kubrick's original, but the times it did it never felt pandery or memberberry, berry but uh, vital to Danny's arc. Uh, but it's still, it's way less of a horror movie than The Shining. So if you're not into scary, uh, if you're into tense or suspenseful but not horror, I think there's a distinction between all of those. This was very suspenseful, not very horrifying, except for one particular sequence. You'll know it when you get there. So pull the blanket up over your head and cover your ears because what you think is going to happen is going to happen. So just blot it out and get to the next part. Um, even though it, it's the scene that sort of shows you how... There's always a scene where you have need to know how villainy... Villainous, the villainous schoolmaster... You have to know how uh, villainous the bad guy actually is. Um, it's way less horror and far more, like, Gothic magical fantasy there's a terrible analogy but to me it, it's it, it kind of reminded me you know how harry potter um it's not harry potter but the last two harry potter movies the uh, uh horcrux magical something or other uh, i'm the worst nerd in the world i know that i don't remember the deathly Hallows. um thank you i heard you yelling at me through the through the uh the interwebs so i appreciate it um Deathly Hallows is probably my favorite of those movies, second favorite of those movies, because it's um, sort of grounded in the real world and they're sort of dealing with life after school. You know, because of the the the, the scholastic nature of it, there, there might be a rough parallel there to um, the stages of Buffy that I've never really thought about, but Deathly Hallows would be Buffy season six, you Know it's the post graduation, um, existential crisis of life, and it there's the scene that takes place in London, which in the um, uh, the the cafe, which is the shootout, there are shootouts with wands, they fire bullets. is one of the um, the missed opportunities of that movie, even though I think those movies are wonderful, and um. Where was I going with this? That movie is the most uh, like uh, what reminded me uh, of Doctor Sleep, the American version of that sort of magical uh, people with magical abilities as adults dealing with adult problems in the adult world. And it was really interesting, um, very entertaining. The movie is also three hours long. Having just watched Lawrence of Arabia with Jack uh, a month or two ago, I can tell you it doesn't feel anything close to three hours. Uh, It flies by. But if you decide to watch it, uh, fair warning and carve out the appropriate amount of time. What are we at? 53 minutes. Okay. Um, I think that's it. (sighs) I missed you guys. Um, It's good to catch up. and. I never know if these things are interesting, but the best that I can hope for is beneficial to me, and it is that. So, um, hopefully, uh, there's something in there. Anyway, um, this week I'm working on Dear Boy. I worked up the first draft of the outline on Twitter yesterday, and there's already a lot to dive into. I feel extremely stupid for it, but the Oedipal, uh extent of Angel... Other than the heavetastic season four, never really dawned on me until watching this episode this time. And now, oh boy, you can see it all the way back to uh, becoming part two, bec- becoming part one. Um, so, you know, look for me to be grossing y'all out with some Greek incest talk in uh, that video. How's that for a teaser? I'm also... Um, I As part of the New Year's resolutions, I said I wanted to play more video games. And my way of doing that is to gamify anything. Gamify weight loss, gamify this. And uh, um, so I started doing Twitch streams every Monday and Thursday. And got through their Twitch affiliates uh, status relatively quickly. And that's now a thing. Uh, Anyway, I'm doing that every Monday and Thursday. So far, we played through one of my favorite games of all time, The Last of Us, um, which is sort of uh, Cormac McCarthy's The Road becomes a zombie game. Uh, uh, You know, the gravitas of one with the mechanics of the other. And uh, that was a lot of fun. We played through the prequel, and now we dove into Life is Strange. So, Life is Strange 2. I played Life is Strange 1 and uh, Life is Strange Before the Storm. I liked Before the Storm considerably more, but enjoyed them both. And I love, especially when video games have protagonists that don't look like this. And um, Life is Strange 2 has that. Unfortunately, I'm finding it to be a bit of a slog. Uh, I really want to enjoy it, but... Some of the plot developments, um, other than the first 15 minutes of the game. uh, It's not working out. But I cannot um, stop a book halfway through and move on to the next. It's a failing. I've actually left books on on airplanes because uh, I didn't want to read them anymore. But I knew if I put it in my bag and brought it home, I'd be slaving through the pages for the next couple of weeks because I can't there's something about, I, I just can't do it. So I'm going to finish Life is Strange 2. So hopefully I'm in episode two and hopefully it picks up. There's five episodes. I'm going to be playing it tonight. Um, there's a link to the Twitch channel in the show notes. If you're into that kind of thing, I really hate being negative and just sitting and dumping on something. So yeah, I'm try and to have a positive attitude about it tonight, but you know, Gallows humor exists for a reason. So, uh, hopefully we don't go back to that. After that, I'll be playing the Spider-Man game. Eventually, I'll play through, uh, the two Buffy Xbox games. There's a lot of demand for that, and I'm, I want to do something special for those. I'm thinking some kind of fundraiser at some point. Um, charity fundraiser, uh, 24-hour stream. I don't know. I'll think about it. But, uh... If you're interested, um, link to the Twitch channel in the show notes. Uh, This Saturday at 5 p.m. Mountain Time, we're doing the uh, Patreon Hangout. Uh, This week we're discussing I Will Remember You and Something Blue. Yes, we are skipping pangs. Don't blame me. Uh, The patrons are the ones who voted on what we skip. And I had a vote, but I'm not telling you how I voted. This is a democracy. I don't know what that has to do with anything. Uh, Before we get to the fanfic reading, I just want to let you know I'm Ian Nitrum on Twitter. YouTube.com slash Passion of the Nerd and it's Twitch.tv slash THE Passion of the Nerd. I actually also have the account that's slash Passion of the Nerd but I can't remember the login. And now it's too late because that one's an affiliate. So it goes. Um, If you'd like to support the channel and keep me flush with toe spacers for running and lean cuisine meals, you can do so at patreon.com slash passionofthenerd. That also feeds my kitty, Ms. Josie. Um, Or by grabbing yourself from passionofthenerd.com slash store. We recently added the TPN Angel Guide mug to the store, the one you see spinning in the opening of every Angel episode guide that I'm pretty excited about. Speaking of, I need to order myself one. Alright, let's get to the reading. Uh, Here is Gone uh, by Terry Boda. I'm going to move the mic in a little bit so it's going to get a little more mouth soundy and uh, a little more breathy. What are you going to do? When last we left our time-traveling and newly re Spike, he had been reaching out to Joyce and a Buffy about to run into glory for the first time building bridges and stressing the need for them to look into getting a CAT scan for Joyce. That was Chapter 5. If you want to get caught up, I put uh, links to all of the previous chapters that jump directly to uh, the readings in the show notes. And when we get to Chapter 10, I'm going to do a compilation recording. That's all of them. Or uh, uh, put out a compilation edit. All right. Here is Gone... Wait a second, chapter five or chapter six? We're on chapter six. Here is Gone, chapter six. Harmony was sleeping the sleep of the sexually sated, which suited Spike just fine. Wearing her out in bed gave him a couple of hours of nightmare-free, exhausted sleep and allowed him quiet time when he awoke. She would sleep for another five hours at least, giving him long stretches of time to read and plan. According to his notes, and his memory, Glinda would be casting her spell of non-seeing any day now, and he had to be ready to fight the Leok demons. He thought he would be all right with that. His body was fine, physically. It was just his mind that was unstable part of the time. He found that if he kept himself busy, and plans—busy with plans and reworking plans, the weight of his new soul wasn't so heavy. He still worked himself to exhaustion and woke up with a nightmare branded in his mind's eye, but it was getting easier. Or so it seemed. Really, he wasn't sure if he would ever be okay, and he knew he would never be the same. But he supposed his recovery was keyed to how successful his foray into time travel would be. So far, he had changed a number of events that he remembered, all of them for the good and he'd taken to circling the Scooby teri- territory like a tethered sentinel, concentrating on Dawn and Joyce. Not being exactly sure of the time of events left him edgy, and with a constant sense of eerie deja vu. Luckily, it looked like he was getting away with his plan. None of the Scooby seemed to question his actions or find his behavior suspicious. Or if they did, they weren't saying anything. The one thing he refrained from interfering with at all was Riley's slow descent into vamped whoredom. No longer super-soldier, all of Riley's insecurities were coming to the surface, and Buffy's inability to share her fears and weakness with him was starting to wear. Spike understood and saw all of this was happening, but he did not move to stop it. In truth, even with a soul, he didn't care a whit about Riley, and had never forgiven him for his role in the Initiative. Spike still believed that Riley was not the right man for Buffy, and it appeared that his soul was in agreement. Still, he wasn't sure how he would break the news of Riley's transgressions to Buffy this time around. But Riley was the last of his problems. He still hadn't figured out a way to kill Ben, or if he should even attempt to kill Glory's human host. He knew he couldn't merely ask someone else, like Harmony, for instance, to kill the intern... There was too much of a risk, and if the attempt failed, the glory would most certainly come after him. But that left him with the impossible task of killing the human himself, something the chip would not let him do. What he needed was an accomplice, who knew and understood exactly what is at stake. The only person he could think of that, was even remotely suitable, was Giles, but he wasn't sure if he was ready to bring anyone into his confidence yet. He was brought out of his thoughts by a waking Harmony. Come back to bed. I'm cold. Spike rubbed his tired eyes. Maybe another shag and a couple more hours of sleep would do him good. Putting the journal away in its locked box, he joined Harmony in bed. She cooed, snuggling up. You're always reading and writing in that dumb journal, but you never tell me what it is you're planning. Sorry, Pat, he placated. Not ready yet. When it is, you'll be the first to know. And I'll be the one to kill the slayer. He gave her a grin, but didn't answer, then kissed her to distract. As he covered her with his body, he felt her surrender and give in to his attentions. I think we should read one more. That was a short one. Yeah, let's do one more. Chapter 7. Wait, what are we doing on time? Eh, we're over an hour. Eh, I'll save Chapter 7 for next week. We should do a double-up, though, at some point. Because we're going to be reading this one for two years at the current rate. Which is would be okay. But, uh, yeah, maybe we'll do um, two chapters with the uh, next short one that comes along. All right, friends. Um... Happy to be back with you. Have a good week as January comes to a close. We're far enough past New Year's now that some of that resolve and gumption uh, we started the year with may be gone or wearing thin. That's the pattern, uh, isn't it? If you've dropped the stone, that's okay. February is a new month. February is for lovers, or so I'm told, or something. My point, I guess, is everything is alright. Um, occasionally, when I'm suffering from insomnia, I'll lie in bed and ask Google questions. And last week, I asked her, Google, how do I stop procrastinating? Uh, It's always interesting what she has responses to. And Google said, the number one search result, top 10 steps to stop procrastinating. And the first step was, first of all, forgive yourself for procrastinating. That was step one. Uh, And as soon as Google told me that, I realized I needed to hear it. Part of what makes procrastination stick with me is all the self-flagellation and frustration. The same-old-shit-in-different-day kind of reaction. And it's actually utterly counterproductive to getting anything done. Um, And uh, after my brief and therapeutic chat with Google, uh, the next day I got the No Place Like Home video edited and up. So if you're doing that... Uh, forgive yourself, let it go. It's just life. I'll see you in a week.